Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. I am David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This. We're so happy you're here. We're smack dab in the middle of summer in the United States of America. (laughs) And we are doing our Summer of Heroes or our Winter of Warriors, if you are in the Southern Hemisphere. You should have done that. I know. Sorry, y'all. We didn't mean to neglect you. Um, But this... Anyways, we are so curious, hoping that you're loving it. We love seeing all your... Um, you're tagging us, especially this week. Yes. Well, when we're recording it, you're tagging us in the ones where everyone's doing their courageous thing to take courage. When was that one? Oh, Zezrums. Um, yeah, we loved that one. That one's so cool. So I hope you're just loving it, that it's fun, that it um, has no rules. We're a little just sad is. that we're halfway through already. I know. It's going so fast. Filming this one. Right, because none of us are ready for the fall. Like, no. <laughs> we needed a double summer. Even though we kind of feel like we are, but not. Usually yeah. I am, but this time I'm like, I don't want to have Zoom everything. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to start Zoom shopping. All right. So we are Alma 30 and 31 today. Oh, P.S. If you are new and you're like, what is the Summer of Heroes? We are picking one hero every week from the book of Alma throughout the summer and giving like a power scripture for them, what we're calling their battle-ready protection scripture, and then a challenge. Just something to do that week to kind of connect you with that And you can print hero. this off at emilybellfreeman.com if you just look under Don't Miss This. Um yeah. If you still want to print it and fill it all in, it's not too late. Yep. So anyways, come along. Join the fun. All right. <laughs> Alma 30 and 31 is today. And these are such awesome chapters. This time and next time are, are super, super good. Well, have there has there been a bad one? <laughs> I was going to say, but... <laughs> everyone has been so good so far. We love it. <laughs> This was interesting because it's almost like you've got, um, in chapter 30, it's almost like this one-on-one battle. And then in 31, it's just these two different problems that are arising that really at the root are the same exact problem. Um, I think you kind of see that when you go into it. So we're going to start in Alma chapter 30, which is there's this man who comes into town um, among the Nephites. His name is Korahor, which is so unfortunate. Shame on his mom. That's why he ended up a criminal. Um, but we have this quote here that is um, interesting and important in the um, in the study journal. You'll see it from President Benson where he said, one of the values of the Book of Mormon is it exposes the enemies of Christ. And um, I really like that idea. If I could edit it, if he would let me. His quote? Uh, yeah. Okay. I would just say this. It exposes the enemy of Christ. Um, just because um, there's one enemy to Christ, and it is Satan. And he uses organizations and ideas and sometimes people um, for his purposes and causes. And at the end of Korahor's story, you you kind of feel bad calling him an enemy to Christ. You're like, oh, you were deceived mm. by the enemy. That's so true. Like the very last verse. And I, I don't think President Benz was necessarily talking about this chapter. So... Um, but we kind of connected it to it. And, and I think that's important to say that like, man, all throughout scripture, there's just not bad people and good people. 
you know? Yep. And you really do have some sympathy for this man and you can kind of relate to some of what he's saying. And it's interesting too. And one of the things that I love is some of the people who we've met and watched their story, you actually see just the generosity of grace working in their life and, Mm. and God being able to look down and say, I, I think your heart can be changed. Think about Alma. Well, um, our hero this week, yeah, just a Alma sneak peek, Younger, is like a Zia's, whole group yeah, of people, people like that. <laughs> yeah, so we'll get to them. Um, where they they went through this pattern of being deceived, but they were able to change their hearts. And it's interesting to realize as you look at this story that there there does come a point where a heart maybe can't be changed in mortality. Hmm. Um, yeah, and you can see grace working in, in a bigger way. Yeah. I made this list while we were studying. There's, this is kind of just from a personal study um, where you see um, maybe what the real um, issue with Korahor was. Like why doesn't Korahor become an Alma the Younger mm. or a Zeezrom? And maybe at the end of this, I'll just give you a couple verses that you can see. Remind me. Um, but we have here, let's move out of the way so people can oh, yeah. see the whole, board. the whole board. Give you a chance. Um, I know. Can you hear that banjo echoing? <laughs> the banjo is still here, friends. Um, okay. Ta-da! Uh, right here on um, this side is a list um, that you'll find in your study guide journal of just some of the teachings that were that Korahor was becoming really successful with. That was such bad grammar. But um, I just we kind of made a list of these and want to go through them and maybe talk about. Yeah, because I love when when. Um, President Benson says it exposes what that would look like. I love that this really is a chapter that does, that you can actually go down and say, oh, I see that where the problem was, that you can you can list it out. Are any of these things taking root in my heart or in my mm. life? Or is there something I should be looking at here that I need to increase my testimony of or learn a little bit more about? Right. It's it's not much so much a chapter of pointing out like, oh, here's why Korahor's a bad guy. But to see like, I love you just use that phrase, taking root. That we will encounter every single one of these truths or these lines, these yeah, statements these, from yeah, Korahor. Yeah, these doubts, these questions. Right. And it's that, like, what do you let, what do yeah. you do with it? What do you do with it? Yeah, you because know? Satan always reverts back to what he's used to. You you see it underlying everything that happens. And so I think it's good to just sometimes look and be like, okay, here's what he's using. Um, it's similar things that he used in the Garden of Eden. And then it's similar things that you just go down and you're like, oh yeah, I've, I've actually seen this before and we'll see it again as we go through. But just to remind ourselves, um, if these are things you're hearing, then immediately we should be like, oh, I need to recenter where my thoughts are. Okay. Um, first one's in verse 12 and he comes out, it's kind of his opening line. Well, and let's start here. Cause I think it's so interesting. I love how it talks about, this is what the culture was. And this is what, um, their land was like, this is what the, um, people were like, oh, okay, good, good, where good. it talks about, um, there was no law against a man's belief. Um, it was contrary to the commands of God that there should be a law that should bring men onto unequal grounds. Um, so if you desired to serve God, it was your privilege. Um, if he believed in God, it was his privilege. But if he didn't believe, there was no law against that. So you love that um, as as we start out this section, we realize, okay, this is the land they lived in. And there was a freedom of belief and a freedom of religion and a freedom to be able to 
discuss these things, much like where we live um, now and, and today. And, and I think it's awesome that like nobody's afraid of that, you know? Sometimes there is a, like, um, there could be a cultural, like, shiver against, like, questioning your faith or questioning your culture. And I want to talking about your belief. And I want to say, wait, when you question it, that's evidence that you actually care. Yeah. You're like, I'm trying to get to the heart well, of this. And you love that the privilege wasn't taken away either side. Right. Um, it was okay if you didn't believe, but also it was your privilege to believe. And um, to talk about that belief as much as it was to talk about the questions of your right. belief. I also think it's so awesome, the wording, the way Antichrist is described. Because if you ever notice that it says there came a man into the land of Zarahemla and he was Antichrist. It doesn't say he was un-Antichrist. <laughs> that's so, I seriously like went through that. Like, yeah. I was like, what? Yeah. Wait, what and, do you want to say about it? And he was anti-Christ. And oh, then okay, it yeah. made me want to think to myself, okay, where can I see things in this society that are anti-Christ? Um, sometimes we're so quick to look to a person to be anti-Christ when really um, it's, it's anything that is against what, what would be the doctrine for, of Christ. Is, yeah. yeah. I liked that, just that push back on where do I see anti-Christ anywhere? Including inside. Yeah, inside, but also like um, television shows or cultural things or, um, you know, groups of people or individual people that you just start looking and you're like, okay, where where can I find Christ? That's what I should be drawn to mm. right now instead of what is anti-Christ. That's what I should stay away from. Yeah, good point. Um, I love that he goes into like he's kind of bounces around place to place, and when we get when he gets into the anti Nephi Lehi's land, I yes. love that they just tie him up. <laughs> I know too. We have to when we get there. We have to read that in verse twenty. It's so one of my favorite verses. Like, okay, I'm tying him up. <laughs> we don't want to hear what you have to say. It's so funny. Okay, um, so twelve is where we kind of start our list, and his opening line is, you know, there is no Christ. I think it's interesting because. Um, they also, when you talk about like their culture, it starts at the beginning of the chapter saying these were people who were really strict in observing the ordinances and the commandments of God. Um, you're almost primed for that kind of belief that there's no Christ because, um, you could be really strict in observing the ordinances as a way to show love, or you could be really strict as a way to earn your way into heaven without right. him. Well, so they're kind of like, it, this is a place where you might want to just write in there, the Pharisees were also strict in their observances. So sometimes you read that and you're like, oh, that's a good thing. But you also can read it and be like, oh, that that could be a caution. Right, yeah. Um, so he comes in, opening line, verse 12 is, oh, that verse we were just talking about is verse um, three that describes their, their land. Okay, back to verse 12, the beginning of this list right here. Um, there will be, there should be no Christ. That's like the opening line. And just, man, you kind of want to just think for a second what the implications of that are. If there's no Christ, it also means there's no and no and no. Like mm -hmm. what, what, what? Like what's the domino Well, and it's interesting, um, even still with our conversation before from 3, because it wants to talk about strict and observance um, of the ordinances of God and in the law of Moses. Um, they really were into the law and the ordinances. And so were the Pharisees. And isn't it interesting when Christ came into that situation, their first reaction was, 
know Christ. Right. That's, we don't want that. So it's interesting to think, is it the same culture um, where he's coming in and he's saying, um, you know, the, there's no Christ. It's the laws and the ordinances and, and these that same kind of pharisaical situation. Yeah, or it could be too, like um, he comes in, because remember some of Korahor's like later teachings are going to be like, there's no wrong and there's no right. So really he's thinking of Christ as this like, rule giver mm. like judge kind yeah. of character instead of who he really is you know because man, because the next one it's kind of hints toward that yeah, why yeah, why would yeah. you yoke yourself yeah to, verse 13 to something like that so verse 13 he just says you're bound down under a foolish and a vain hope and why do you yoke yourselves with such foolish things why are you looking for for a christ um you can't know of what is to come so our two mm -hmm. things are um, being bound down under this foolish hope and, and, a, and being yoked down and also that there's no such thing as prophecy, which is funny because mm -hmm. later he's going to say, there will be no Christ. And I'm like, I thought you said you couldn't know <laughs> of what is to come. Like who, you're all of a sudden a prophet. Yes. You just said there wasn't. Yes. But what do we want to say about this? Because it's so interesting that he uses that word yoke. Yes. And I want to say like, Jesus actually tells us, take my yoke upon you. So it's fun to kind of wrestle with that idea for a second. The core horse saying it's as a bad thing to mm -hmm. be yoked to this belief and hope. And, and I actually think, uh, wait, I actually prefer mm -hmm. to be yoked to yes. that hope and to Well, him. and you love that he uses the word foolish with yoke. Um, and Jesus uses the word rest mm. with yoke. So it really is such a different perception of what a yoke would become for you yeah right yeah. it, it Korahor makes it sound like more of a burden christ wants to tell you less of a burden yeah. so it's just interesting that he he holds on to that one thing that he's like let me put my own spin on this where jesus is like no this I, is yeah. what my yoke looks like yeah i don't think you understand what my i, I don't what my purpose is i can yeah. almost hear jesus saying that's like i think you're misunderstanding what I'm trying to do. Yeah. You know, um, he keeps going on. You can do a, your own studies. You go through this list, but let's just point out yeah, we'll some point other out ones. Some of the ones that we loved. Um, one of them uh, that he says is in verse 16 that always. Did you, you miss, did you do foolish oh, traditions? Oh, are we doing all of them? Yeah. yeah. Let's, oh, just, you say, let's just okay. kind of talk about what they are. So okay. the foolish traditions um, in there that he, he wants to get caught up on that and that you can't know, people can't know things. Um, I hear that so often, even in our day. That's That must be one Satan loves to talk about because regularly I have conversations with people who are like, you can't know. Um, and we're going to talk about that a little bit yeah. later. And I, his I answer, because he really his like answer. answers that yeah. particular one. one. Um, um, 15 is kind of along the same lines. You can't yeah. know what you can't see. And then 16, 16 is so yeah. interesting to me because I've heard this one before also. Um where somebody says, no, everything that you're experiencing is just an effect of your frenzied mind. And I've heard that before in connection with, you know, like you didn't feel forgiveness. You didn't experience mm -hmm. revelation. That's just your mind, you know, playing tricks on you. And, oh, it's so interesting that yeah. he's going to, Alma's going to answer that as well. And he's just going to come back. Here's just a little sneak peek to that where he's just going to say, wait, um, I, I, I have experienced these things. Like I have felt these things are not the impact of a frenzied mind. Yeah. 
Um, um, and we love the next one where it talks about um, you're wanting to rely on your own wisdom and on your own strength. And it's reminding yeah, me of 17. that scripture in Isaiah that we read earlier this year. I was going to see if I could just come right on it. But the one that talks about um, if you if you light the sparks of your own fire and you walk in the sparks that you have kindled, um, what's going to happen is you're going to lie down in sorrow. That's what the end of that looks like. And I love He's like, no, use your own wisdom and use your own strength. Yeah, and particularly in the in the context of there, he says in 17 before that, there's no atonement made for the sins of men. Like you just run your own life. Yeah. And, and he's trying to get rid of sin altogether. And at, to say there was no atonement made yeah. to get rid of sin actually gets rid of love. Yeah. Right. That's the way that he, that rescue was the way that he well, showed that. Well, and it makes that. it so you and, don't really need Jesus. Right. That's what I mean. Yeah. I'm just like, wait, wait, wait. I want to have someone atone yeah. for my sins because it means there's somebody who loves me that dearly yeah. and deeply. Um, 18, um, it says his whole idea is like when, when you're dead, it's all over. You might get a little sneak peek into Coral Horror's like intentions because I think it's so interesting. This is he led away many women. Oh, and also men <laughs> to tell them, like, whatever you do, it's fine. You're kind of like, why, why were you focused on the ladies, sir? Um, what else? Oh, and then in verse 24, he just says that word bondage again. You say that you're free, and I actually say that you're in bondage. And it would be interesting to, like, think through. Jenny and I were talking about this this morning on our run, how, how it's interesting how discipline actually opens up opportunities to be free yeah you know yeah and that takes more time to like dig through but it'd be nice to think through what what would your response be to each of these and it's okay to start with i don't know like oh well mm -hmm. ooh, he kind of makes a good point don't be afraid of them wrestle through them yeah. you know find yeah. wisdom in it and i love too that as you're watching him move amongst these people that you're seeing people are being affected in different ways just like you were talking about like it's some were led away and um, I'm sure some just were like, ignore, ignore that, you know, and, and kept it what they were doing. But you love that when you get in verse 19, it says, Now this man went over to the land of Jershon also to preach these things among the people of Ammon, who were once the people of the Lamanites. And then this line right here that is so good. But behold, they were more wise than many of the Nephites, <laughs> for they took him and bound him and carried him before Ammon, who was a high priest over that people. And this is what I love about that. That he started saying things that they were like, well, I don't know. You know, maybe they had questions. Maybe they didn't know what to do with him. And I love that what their solution was is we're going to take you to somebody who we can ask our questions to. Mm. Somebody that we trust. Someone who will know um, what you're talking about. And I think that is such a good solution for a core horror situation. Yeah. Is bring someone into the situation that you actually do trust. I had a boy reach out to me last year and say, I'm really struggling with my testimony. It was a boy I haven't heard from for 10 years. Um, and I reached out to an, a past seminary teacher and you, he knew me because he was a really good friend of one of my sons. So he was in our house all the time. And right off the bat, I was like, oh, I love that boy's heart right now so much for the fact that he has really hard and significant questions and a lot of doubt. And I love that in that moment of real questioning, he wasn't like, well, I'm going to go to this place 
and see what I can find the internet or other people who are doubting or other questioning places, I'm going to go to somebody who I trust, um, you know, knows God. I'm questioning God. I will go to someone I trust knows God to ask my questions to, which I think is such an interesting way because sometimes we start to question and those are the people we're like, I don't want to talk to them about this. I, I just want to like figure it out on my own. And do you love that these people were like, no, you come up here. We trust him. <laughs> Ask him your questions and let us see what happens. What if that was more our inclination in moments of doubt to be like, who do I know that believes in God the best? I'm going to take my questions there and see what they can do. Yeah. And I think that you might find when you get to that person, I mean, Ammon's a perfect example. Like you're going to find somebody who's who's been through that journey already. Mm. Like they've, I've, I've already walked through this. Yeah. Like I've, I've, you know. Yeah. I, and should I we go there like, right now? Where were we going? Because I have so bad want to go here, but oh, we have to go oh, here first. Oh, no, the answer. Go here Let's first. do the answer okay. first. And then we'll go to our heroes. So um, it's just awesome, Alma's conversation with him, um, particularly because it's laden with questions and some self-introspection and man, maybe it just was too late that pride had already taken too much root in his heart or something mm-hmm. because you wish when you get to the end of the story that yes. someone had sat down with him right after he has his first like, doubts and questions. You're like, oh, I wish that that could have happened. Um, but yeah, Alma, because before you say the answer, say the two, say the couple places that you found that you were like, this is, oh, okay, this okay, is where okay. he got himself Here's in a couple a of, idea. let's, here's the list. Ready? Um, Look in verses, are you ready? 41, it uses the word deny. It also uses that word in 39 and 47, that he denies the the spirit and the truth. 42, he puts off the spirit. Uh, 46, he resists the spirit of the Lord. Verse 52, I always knew down inside, but I buried it. 53, I withstood. And so you can't resist or put off or withstand unless somebody is pushing on you. So you see evidence of the spirit of the Lord, like kind of pressing in and he is choosing to resist it and he's choosing to push it off oh, for, so good. I don't know what reason, but it's like, Oh, d- just give in is what you want to mm-hmm. say to him. Um, here's this conversation with Alma that I think is fantastic when thinking about some of these questions that might make you kind of your head spin a little bit. Um, I love in verse 15, he asks the question this, how do you know of their surety? And, um, and then Alma later on gets to answer that. And he says, if you go to verse four, is it 40? Oh yeah. Yeah, 40. And what evidence have you? Those are such two great lines. How do you know of a surety and what evidence do you have? And it would be such, we've got a little square here. You're going to teach a little something else right here, but this would be such a great little box to talk about. What do you know for sure? And what evidences have you received? And that could be over your whole life, or it could be since January. Like, where have you seen the hand of the Lord working this year in your life? And because of the evidence of his hand, now, what do you know for sure? Um, Because that's what happens when we start recording evidences in our life. Is there come some things that someone could say to you, no, that didn't really happen. And and we would say, no, it did. I know that happened. This mm. is something I do know. I have a surety about. 
Um, but I love also, are you going to talk about the orange? Because let's yep. do Oh, shit. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk about three things with it. Um, three evidences. Three. E- is that plural? Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Um, because in verse 40, it's neat that like Alma switches the question yes. back to Korhor because Korhor's like, prove to me that there's a God. And Alma says back, you prove there isn't one. Like, why do I have to have the burden of proof? Like, I am fine believing what I believe. So what I'm asking you is, where are your evidences for the way that you're living your life, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And then he lists a couple things. One, in 41, he says, I have my own experiences um, that I use as a testimony that they are true. Um, so that's one of the things you could do. 44, he says, um, show me a sign. And he says, what about all the holy mm-hmm. scriptures? And all these holy brethren that are, are here. Yeah, what about all of their experiences? Like are, like the scriptures aren't like just these books that dropped mm-hmm. out of heaven. They're people who lived and breathed and rode this roller coaster of life. What about their, they weren't stupid. Mm-hmm. What about them? And then he says this one. I love this one. It's one of my favorites where he says, um, Yea, even the earth yes. and all things that are on the face of it and the motion and all the planets which move in their regular form witness there is a supreme creator. Um, she's talking about the orange because I had this experience on my friend's um, property. They have this this little orange grove and you're kind of like, hello, who wants to live there forever, especially during Corona? Me. <laughs> um, and I like picked this orange one day and I just looked at it and I was like, I'm pretty sure there's a God like this is like evidence that there is one because where does that even come from like let's just walk through this for a second that starts with a seed which you don't even know where the seed came from right like it just appeared it's just here like seeds are just here like you'd find them and it, you think it's a rock and it's not like you've seen a seed there's nothing they don't you put on the counter it does nothing you're just like you're, you're nothing. But then you, if you put it in the dirt, which you don't know where the dirt came from, all of a sudden, like it just like water drops from the sky, like clouds know how to suck up water from lakes and drop them where the seed is. And all of a sudden, like that seed just decides, okay. <laughs> and it just opens up and like a little sproutling comes up and it just pokes up out of like magically out of the ground and it grows leaves just because it wants to. Like how, who, how? No one knows. Don't act like you know. You're trying to say like photosynthesis. You, that's, that's a word to describe magic that they put in a science book. Because the leaves all of a sudden know how to eat the sun. Like they eat this big ball of burning gas hundreds of millions of miles away. Right. And then it just grows and it keeps going. And all of a sudden one day it decides, oh, I'm naked. I better bark myself. Okay. So it does. And then it starts to grow more arms and flowers. If you could grow flowers out of your hands, you would have so many friends. Korhor wouldn't have been Antichrist if he could grow flowers out of his hands. And then all of a sudden those flowers decide, I'm done being a flower. I think I'll be a fruit. And it turns into a fruit magically and just grows out and it grows green. And then it's like, oh, that'll confuse everybody. I better turn into my name. So it changes orange. And then when it's done cooking, it just knows. It just decides... <laughs> and drops off the tree onto the ground. It has a little cushion. So it just when it hits the ground, it's like an airbag. It just knew to grow an airbag for that fall. And then you walk along and you're like, oh, hello. And it's just there. And you open it up and it's just all wrapped up. It's like God wrapped up 
lunch for you. And you open it and you find out he already cut it up for you inside too. And it's just these little wedges you can share with a friend here. So like... <laughs> I, this is what Alma's saying. Everybody, just, like, are you so happy about this moment? Do you want to watch it every morning, this whole entire week? Every time when someone's like, I don't know if there's a God, I'm always like, oh, let's just call David and ask him about an orange. He'll tell you. It'll solve all your problems. Right, like, I'm not even, you haven't even got me going on avocados. Like, what are they even, right? But, like, honestly, and truth, like... <laughs> Really? In real life, real life. Like within the last 12 months of my life, six months of my life, you get these moments where you're driving down the road and you're like, is this all made up? You know? You know, you just yes. like start like, uh, maybe Korahor's right, you know? <laughs> and then, honestly, the last time this happened to me, I looked out the window and I saw all the trees and I was like, nope, <laughs> he's wrong. <laughs> you know? Because it's like, it's neat that Alma's like, let me bring you to one of these evidences that there is one. Like you've got a lot more to explain, you know, on the on the contrary. Mm-hmm. And and we're gonna see in the next chapter, not today's lesson, like next time's lesson, mm-hmm. like how beautiful belief is. Yes. You know, and like uh, you know, you've got these evidences that just lead you to it. In fact, there's this verse, we have this box here. Mm about where um well should we introduce the yeah, story we got to introduce the story yeah and and this will make sense here in a second and i'm trying to remember what we were coming off of oh which was gonna be that god can come in to a heart that is willing to feel the spirit and willing to not deny he can come into that heart and change that heart and he can make powerful people um from yeah. that yeah, if you just don't you re- just, resist yeah. it. And it's almost like it's almost like this. What if one of these evidences, your own experiences, all the holy prophets, your brethren, your friends, or the world around you, what if they just open up the door? You know? Like yeah. put your guard down. Like that's what the value they can be. Put your guard down and let God come in yep. and do a mighty work. And you love that when you get to 31, after the end of Korahor. Alma received tidings that the Zoramites were perverting the ways of the Lord and that Zoram, who was their leader, was leading the hearts of the people to bow down. I love when he says, to dumb idols. Uh, <laughs> to stupid you know, idols. That's what you think. Uh, they're using that word dumb because it was a, a God who could not talk um, to them, that he couldn't, like they, they received nothing from that idol. And Which is interesting. I've never thought about this before. But at the end of Korahor's story, he's struck dumb. Oh, that is you, interesting. You know, and it's like, yeah. and then the very last verse of 30 talks about um, anybody, you'll see that the devil will not support his children at the last day and speedily drag them down to hell. That it's like, oh, you almost become that if you become subject to him. The yeah. end game of that is no power to speak or to move or to act. Yeah. Anyways. So the Zoramites had all gathered together um, in this land and, they're their neighbors. Uh, yeah. yeah, and they're, they're neighbors right there. And the Nephites start getting nervous that the Zoramites are going to go hook up with the Lamanites. And team up, um, yeah, it, it would be a great loss. <laughs> they're going to team up with the Lamanites, and it would be a great loss. And um, then I love this in verse 5. It says, Now we're in chapter 31, verse 5. Now, as the preaching of the word had a great tendency to lead the people to do that which was just. 
Yea, it had more powerful effect on the minds of the people than the sword or anything else. Um, and I love that Alma is just like, what are we going to do? Like, what are we going to do about this mess that we're in? And then he's like, well, I know the word is more powerful than anything else. And um, he looks at this big group of people and he thinks to himself, I'm going to take the word in there. And then I love that he's like, I'm not going to go in alone. And he says, who should I take with me into this place? Who, who would be my best to go into this place? And then in verse five, we see this list of names. Now, these are all names we have just recently studied. So six, as we you mean read verse them, six. in verse yeah. six, as we read them, I want you to think about what is their story? Why would Alma choose these people to go into that place? Because he talks about Ammon, Aaron, and Omner, who are the sons of Mosiah. Himni is going to stay back home and um, keep doing the work there. And then he's going to take Amulek. Do you remember Amulek, who was one of our heroes? And Zeezrom, who also one of our heroes. And he's going to take two of his sons. He's going to leave his oldest son home. Helaman's going to stay home. But he's going to take Shiblon and Corianton. So let's for a minute, before we talk about what they do, let's just talk about this team uh, that he's gathered together. Like, what do you want yeah. to say and, about the team? Okay, so they're our heroes for the week, just so you know. We call them the dream team because we're just circa 1993 Olympics or <laughs> yes. whenever that was that we had the dream team. Um, that, that go on this rescue mission. And something I love about this team, this group of people, is if you rewind time 15 years, you would say to yourself, List me the people you never, ever, unless you were deaf, dumb, blind, would pick to go on this trip. And you would pick these same people. You were like, I'm never taking Alma the Younger on a church trip. He won't even go to young men's. Why is he going to do this? I'm not taking the sons of Mosiah, those bratty princes. I'm not taking Zeezrom. He used to have the title, a child of hell. I'm not taking Amulek. He's way into his own money and, and he's just, you know unapproachable like th these are the people you never would have taken and you. when you look at the two at the three sons if you were to look forward and it might be fun to look in the guide to the scriptures just to see what do we know about shiblon and corianton in a few years after this corianton will actually struggle with his own testimony and he'll go through a faith crisis after this happens and come back after the end of it so i love that when alma is like who am I going to take? I'm going to take people who have actually had questions. I'm going to take people who have actually doubted in their life. I'm and like more than doubted, yeah. like full on yeah. rebelled. Yeah. I'm going to take yeah. people who were on the other side um, of the situation. That's who I'm going to take in with me. And Verse 8 the... is interesting because he, in connection with that, where he says like the Zoramites were dissenters. They had had the word of God preached unto them. And that is the story for every single one of these. Yeah. It was like, we also had had the word of yeah. God preached unto us and we dissented against it and rebelled against it. And I, they're just the, who else would you pick yeah. to come in? And one thing that I love about this, and I just want to send us to a verse in the Doctrine and Covenants, actually, because sometimes we have situations where we get to put together a dream team. Um, we'll get a calling in the church and, and sometimes it's a calling with a leadership responsibility where you actually are thinking about who who will be my first counselor or my second counselor or my secretary or sometimes it's planning the ward christmas 
Marty, everyone, where the bishop is like, you can put together a group of eight people or Pioneer Trek, right? Get your group, get your dream team. That's the one what with the boat. You get to, <laughs> that's, what <I> pick. <laughs> that's what you get to do right now. And I love that in Doctrine and Covenants 84106, we get some advice that I think is so good. And as I think about Alma, I'm like, oh, he probably, this is probably some of the thoughts in his mind is, if any man among you be strong in the spirit, let him take with him him that is weak, that he may be edified in all meekness, that he may become strong also. Mm. And I just love the thought of that, that all of these people knew what it was to be weak. And it is because of what they knew from their weak moments that make them so powerful in where they're going. And there's part of me that just wonders if Alma looked at Corianton and thought to himself, you probably shouldn't be invited. You probably, you just wonder if he was struggling already, if he was in that situation that he was like, I, I mean, because this is dad, know. he knows. Yeah. I don't know that you're going to have a lot to offer. But I'm going to bring you with seven men who have been in your situation. I'm going to bring you in this leadership capacity with seven men who know your heart. And I'm going to let you associate here because then you're going to be strong. And, and we don't know how long that journey to strength took for Coriant. And we don't know if he was already questioning in this whole process. He might have been the one that they were like, oh my heck, we're bringing Coriantin with us. But I love that you watch and see, even after this moment, that he goes through that period of trying to get things figured out, and we'll come to him in, um, in the story, but that he eventually comes around and, and is strong because of it. And it makes me think, and ever since I, I read that scripture in 84, every time I have had the opportunity to be in a situation where I have the ability to pull together a team, I always try and remember that just, just as you're thinking about the team, who, who will be the strong and who's the person who needs this experience just because they need the experience mm -hmm. and they need to be with strength right now. And what if we lived the gospel like that every time we served yeah. that we were like, you know, I, I get to call three people to help me. And one of them is going to be this person described in, 84. Yeah, and even more often than that are going to be our own like things we felt called to, you know? Mm -hmm. And who are we going to bring along, not necessarily officially, but who are we going to bring along with us? And, oh, it makes me think. And can part of it be, you know, the gathering of the team was as much a rescue mission yes. as the actual rescue, rescue they were mission. going on. That's so good. I had a conversation with a friend of mine, a Christian friend, earlier this year in January. We went to lunch when you still could go to lunch with people and um <sighs> we were talking and then she said to me i was asking about her husband who is actually does a lot of preaching um in their uh, faith community and then i was asking him what what else he does and she said well he works with his 12 and i was like well who's his 12 and in my mind i was like well maybe it's like their leadership or their you know whatever and she said oh at the beginning of every year he chooses 12 people he feels called to be a part of their life for one whole year. 12 people. And he actually tells them, you're one of my 12. Like I, God has told me, you are one of my 12. And he has a set of rules for his 12. One of which is, if you ever call my phone, I will answer immediately. 
I will never send you to voicemail. I will never miss a call from you for that one year that's part of his commitment to his 12. But do you love the idea yes. of that? That every year he prays at the beginning of the year and he's like, who's my 12 um, for this year? And then I was like, I just want to be one of the 12 so bad because <laughs> I just want to know what's he going to do in my life, you know? Don't you want to be loved that big? Yeah, and why did you get picked? You know, that's what I want to know too. Yes. Like, well, God, why did you choose this person or that person? We should Don't have you brought him that? on the show. Do we wanted to ask him all be... these questions. <laughs> and why didn't you pick six? Yes. Twelve is so many. So many, but remember, he's a preacher. So uh, okay. that's what he likes to do. Good, good. You okay. are a preacher too, so you can choose Yeah, 12. I'm going to choose 13 okay. just to one-up him. Okay. Um, all right. This group of people is so interesting, and we want to just make kind of end this by making an observation about them and um, um, because really that's what you get in chapter 31 is these people called the, the, the Zoramites, and they walk in, you know, into this place, and... Um, did we want to do, we should do yeah, their do the verse prayer. first. Let's do yeah. this for, no, let's do this first and then come back to that. It's neater after oh, okay. you know okay. about them. Okay, um, so they walk into this place and they are just like, it says they're just beside themselves when they walk in. Because they walk in, you'll remember if you've read the story into this church and maybe they're first shocked that they have a church. They're like, <laughs> we hear they're dissenters and they get there and they're like, wow, they have a big church. Um, and inside the church, everyone's gathered to worship and they have this big tower that they've called a Ramiumptum. And a person goes up and they pray this prayer. Um, it's the same prayer every time, but you and I are not um, unfamiliar with <laughs> stuff like that, <laughs> you know, of pulpits and prayers that have the same words every time. And um, and they so nothing wrong with that, I guess. Um, and they pray this prayer, but Alma is just sick about it when it's over. And that's what we're interested in. And then he will then pray his own prayer when he leaves the church after he has this experience. And, and we kind of think over it's neat. These, over these men yeah. that are going to be yeah. with him. And just looking at the two. Yeah, almost the difference between them is so interesting. So this first prayer is, you'll find starting in verse 15. And as you're reading, we've talked about this before. And we'll talk about it again right now, but you might want to go back and read through it. Remember when we've talked about Satan is close but counterfeit? That he's going to give you as much truth as he can. So you're like, yeah, that, sound, that sounds right. Um, that you have to be looking for the little piece that is counterfeit. And as you're going through and reading, um, you want to mark those counterfeit phrases. Because if you just take this at first glance, um, they're going to use words like separate chosen and elect which we use those same words we believe in those same things so at first glance you're like oh yeah that sounds like our church frighteningly so yes. right when you read it yeah and keep going what you're saying but the difference is as they get in here how they're defining what it means to be separate and elect and chosen is where things got a little bit twisted Right, which is so easy to happen. I mean, it happens to a group of people who grew up, it says, knowing and being taught the, the word of God, you know? And, and so it's not hard for something like this to happen inside a heart or a community. Um, but they pray this prayer. It starts off so funny. Holy, holy God, we believe that thou art God and we believe that thou art holy. Oh, that's all good. That's nice. And that thou wast a spirit and that thou art a spirit and thou will be a spirit forever, which you could 
take some verses from the Bible and say he's got some quality of his of a spirit. But I thought when I read this yesterday, I was like, what a weird way to start the prayer. Like I've never ever prayed and said, dear father, you have a body. You've always have a body. You'll, and you'll, you know, I'm like, what a strange, like, yes. what a strange Introduction. thing to say. Um, but he, then 16, you start seeing that we believe that you have separated us from our brethren. And we don't believe in the tradition of our brother, which you've handed down, that you've elected us to be your holy children, um, which are words that you could find anywhere. But what's interesting is the end of 16, and you've made it known unto us that there shall be no Christ. Um, and, and then it goes, what? I think we should go clear till the oh, end okay. and then come back okay, to that. Okay. Because then it's interesting because they say, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yes. You have elected us that while we shall be saved, what's all around us are elected to be cast by thy wrath down to hell. So super interesting that this is a church that um, they have become the judge of who gets to go to heaven and who gets to go to hell. And... Um, for which holiness, God, we thank thee. And we also thank thee, you has elected us, that we may not be led away after the foolish traditions of our brethren. Um, so as you go through, at, well, the end, we thank thee, O God, that we are a chosen and a holy people. So it's interesting because you see this separate chosen and elect. And the, um, the thing that is the standout, but I mean, the standout of the whole thing is um, no Christ. Which is, which is what is so interesting about this is what does it mean to be separate, chosen, and elect without Christ versus what does it mean to be separate, chosen, and elect, you know, with Christ? And that's where the difference is and, and that's where the danger yeah, also is. Yeah, because this is. can become so prideful so quickly well, imagine, if you don't have Christ in the equation. I mean, imagine for a second, like even within our own culture and faith of people believing we're the ones chosen. We're the only ones going to heaven. We're the only ones who we, we have to separate from the rest of that nasty world, you know? And yeah. it's like that could happen so easily. But what was Christ's invitation? Why did I choose you? Why am I asking you? What am I asking you to be separate from? Mm -hmm. Never people, right? Christ never said separate yourself from from people, watch his, watch his ministry. And, and chosen's not like a, we've talked about this before, it's not a status. Yeah. It's like chosen to do what? Yeah. Right? Um, if you take away Christ, then you take away fellowship, you take away grace, mm -hmm. you take away mercy, mercy forgiveness, love, community. Mm -hmm. And, and um, that is the difference between using words um, to be better than, um, versus words that like feel inclusive at the beginning of 32 you've got a group we're not we're going there next time but you've got a group of people who says we're not allowed in that church because of the coarseness of our apparel they say and that is anti-christ right and i want to say um if someone doesn't ever feel like they belong in my congregations or in my church because of the coarseness of their clothes, the coarseness of their belief, the coarseness of their lifestyle, then that's antichrist. Mm. Like that is not the right. If yeah. if ugh, sinners felt welcome in his presence, well, and you just have to think, who did he eat lunch with? Right. Uh, he went to the outcast. That's where he spent time. He went to the people people hated, 
that's that's where he went. He walked through cities no one else would walk through because the people were not good enough. That is where he spent his time. Yeah. Is you... in those places that you think, okay, how is that part of my faith community right now? And how could I actually make it more a part of my faith community? How can mm. I bring Christ in instead Inst- of pushing people out? Yeah. Yeah. Because honestly, if a sinner does not feel comfortable in our faith community, I don't think Jesus is there. Right? Yeah. And what a great question that you just asked. How do I bring Christ, you know, into this place? Um, okay, connect. I mean, kind of compare that a little bit with Alma 31, which um, has some tendency when you read it. Alma's prayer starting in 26 to sound yeah. super self-centered also. But I think it's important <laughs> but, because it, from 26 to 31... He is laying out for God, do you know how bad this is? Like, have you seen what's happening here? And, and when I read it yesterday, the first time I re- like read it, it was like, it sat, like I read it like he was tattling. Oh, you know, and instead I read of it laying more it out like, like, and I was like, Wait, I, that's not right. That's I not felt right. like he was like, this is bigger than, do you, like, do you realize how big this is? And maybe part of the reason why it struck me like that is because, for the past several weeks, I wake up in the morning and I look at our situation that we're in with everything that is going on. And I want to be like, God, do you see what is happening right now? Like, do you see what's happening with coronavirus? Do you see what's happening with the contention? And like, do you see how big this division is? Like, it's almost as if Alma was like, are you sure we can do something yeah, here or, because it feels like there's no end in sight. Like there's no answer. There's no way out of this. Like who's going to solve this? That's what I feel like he's saying. Yes, yes. Because I thought about it actually because right after I read it, the thing that switched it for me is I saw a post from um, the Operation Underground Railroad. Mm. And I imagined, remembered some of my prayers like when I've been kind of touched by their stories and thinking like I've done some of the same things before. I'm like... God, people are kidnapping children, you know, and, yeah. and I wasn't, I, it was a mourning yes. and it was like a, uh, exactly as you're, as and you're I saying. And I love when he says and it's in. A, it's like a, like um, a pouring out. Yes. Oh, it's you such know? a like, pouring let out. Me and pour it's, out. And it's this, like, think if this has been you in the past two weeks when he says, will you, do, he, I love in verse 30 when he's like, how long are you going to let this wickedness go on? Like, do you. Do you see what's happening here? And then I think what happens is he's like, I'm going to have to say something about this. I'm I'm going to have to bring my voice into what is happening here. And I already am smart enough to know that if I say something about this, people are going to get mad. Because me. I got mad and you got mad and yeah. you got mad and yeah. you got but mad. People are we gonna be we like, all know what yeah, the reaction is going to be. People are going to be like, you can't say that. You can't align with them. You can't say this is happening here. And we're living in the you camp right now. We're living in the affliction. We're living in that, the infirmities that come. All you got to do is get on social media and start reading people's comments under their posts. People are not nice. Or people. say something on social media and watch yeah, how what's people respond. And, and we get to be in our house with the door locked when people start mm. making all those responses. But Alma and, and these the eight of them are gonna be in it, right? Those are not just gonna be comments on a post. Those are gonna be people who are actually gonna 
revile against them physically. And I love that he says, give me strength that I may bear with my infirmities and, um, and the pain that I'm carrying. And then we love that he not only is going to pray for himself, but he's going to pray for this dream team. And he asked for some really specific things in that prayer that are so interesting. If you go through, I'm not going to read all of it, but I just, we want you to notice some of these words. He says, please bless us with strength and with patience and comfort us. And he asked for strength a couple of times that they're going to get through um, the infirmities and the affliction and whatever persecution is going to come. I love that he prays for success. Like, let us let us make the change you think we can make. Like, help us see how to have success here and give us power and give us wisdom. And I, as we were reading through that and as we put that on the list just this comfort and strength and patience and wisdom and success it made us think to ourselves which of those do you need right now in in our situation in today in the um battle that we're facing and, and this place where we are which of those words would be most important for you and for your family and i i love the fact that he's like this is what i'm praying for for all of you and yeah. and that moment when as soon as he's done praying it says he clapped his hands upon them and they were filled with the spirit that was going to be the answer he prayed for those things to be part of that team and then after that prayer how the lord answered how he was like okay i'll help you and how was he going to help with an increase of the spirit. Who's, who's the messenger of, of comfort and the messenger of strength and, and of grace patience and, and wisdom and like all of those things. Um, and it makes me think, um, you know, it's interesting because we've had an interesting year where what God has done is he's gathered us into our home. And so where one time my dream team might have been a calling I was in or planning a function or, you know, Pioneer Trek or Youth Conference. You know who my dream team is right now? It's my family. It's my kids. Um, that's my team. That's my dream team. And those are the people who I'm praying for wisdom and power and strength and comfort and all of those things. And how interesting that at this time, for some reason, God has said, go home. That's where I need you to be. And do the work that you have been so invested in in your faith community in your house. Are you putting as much time as you would have put into a calling into these people? Because this is our dream team yeah. right now. This is the people we have to work with. And what is that looking like? And is it intentional? Is it deliberate? Are we doing the things we need to be doing? And, and how are we inviting the spirit? Yeah, I was going to say, and is God a part of the conversation? Is yeah. essential to it? So our actual challenge for mm -hmm. this week um, the kind of battle ready thing is to find comfort in Christ. Like if you are asking yourself or wondering to yourself, where do I start or where do I go next? What if you tried this for a week instead of having your eye set on how big the problem is, how overwhelming everything that's happened, how I don't know the right words to say, I don't know which path, uh, like it's so overwhelming and burdensome. What they do is he says, help us find comfort in Christ in that mm. verse 32. And that's something I can do. Take your eye off of yeah. all this and just find strength at its source. And that is in him, right? And so many different ways to do that, 
right? Yes. Books, yeah, music, music, scriptures. I keep, I just... find myself just drawn into my scriptures right now because the news so overwhelms. And I think it, it might just be that, that my soul is like, this is the only place to find comfort right now. And, and what is that for you? You know, music, good conversation with friends, getting into scripture, silence, really, meditation. Yeah, right, right. And remember that word comfort, we've talked about this before, mm. not only means peace, but it also means with strength. And like, so what if I found a settledness and strength mm -hmm. and peace like in Christ? That's so good. That is the yoke that he yeah. invites us to take on him. So, so good bye. week. We'll see you next week. Hey, adios, muchachos. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.